Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally, voidware prohibited, must be 18 or older to enter, no purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hey there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios, and on this show, we talk about how complicated healthcare is. And so the majority of our guests kind of share their expertise. And I like to say, you know, we're all kind of figuring out this 30,000-piece puzzle that is healthcare. It is like not even a thousand pieces. And so we talk to more women, they get to share their piece of the puzzle. And so I would love to learn more about you and your expertise and what piece of the puzzle of the healthcare like ecosystem that you hold on to. Which sure. Could you share with us? Yeah. Well, so actually I'll just start with my background. I'm actually a clinical psychologist by training. Okay. And so I enter into this space really thinking a little bit more broadly than where I am currently. I work at Ovia and at Ovia, we are really focused on thinking about about family planning and supporting the woman through their journey and family planning, but both before that, rather before they're even thinking about conceiving, all the way on to a menopause. But as a clinical psychologist, I'm very mindful of the impact of healthcare on um, one's mental health and just thinking about that other additional layer that sometimes goes unaddressed when you're thinking about healthcare. Well, that is a big deal. Like we think about mental health is health, right? It's something that's not necessarily brought into the main stage until recently. So in what ways do you bring that to the forefront? Yeah. Well, you know, oftentimes people are unaware of um, the mental toll that women are undergoing when they are thinking about family planning. And I think um, what has really become apparent to us most recently is that people are actually really thinking about in terms of where they work. And so um, when they, when people are working for an organization where they don't feel supported, you find that they are much less satisfied and they have difficulty retaining their employees because people are really under a lot of stress when they're thinking about this thinking about what do they do? How do they care for their family? What do they do when they are pregnant? And then those years of trying to conceive are also very complicated. Never mind when you add on menopause after that. You know, it's interesting that people actually consider quitting while they are suffering from menopause and people are unaware of those statistics Oh, tell me about that. I'm totally unaware of that. Nearly 20% of women with menopause symptoms have actually quit or consider quitting due to symptoms that they experience 
part of menopause, which is actually really interesting when you think about the number of women then who are going to be in that place for actually yeah. um, thinking about quitting as a result of that. And so the symptoms, I mean, I'm thinking of heat flashes. Uh, we're thinking of like, like, okay, so are we talking about temperature change in the office or what, yeah. what kind of things are we thinking about? Yeah, here? so it can be that. It can be some of the headaches. It can be some of the mood swings. I think what ends up happening is because people are don't know what to identify and how to connect it and they even know to actually go and seek care or maybe just make sense of it or where to read or find resources or support group, it actually impacts their health and well-being in that way. Well, and it's also not super clear when it starts. Like, I feel like I'm a little bit on the cusp of, I don't know, perimenopausal? Sure. I think that's sure. where I'm at. I don't know. I have no idea, right? And yes. it's not like there's a map that says, okay, so this is what's going to happen in the next couple years and with your body or whatnot. I'm like, I have no, and there's not that much information out there, like what to expect. Are you telling me that you have more resources for people? Indeed. Like me? Yes, exactly. (laughs) And so that's the thing. We're thinking about how do we actually address that part of women's health and well-being and recognizing the importance of um, addressing them as women are, you know, make up 50% of the workforce, right? And so with that, also we're thinking not only about the later stage, but also thinking about much earlier. You know, and so I think that's another important fact when we think about that 72% of female millennials are employed, which is a significant increase from prior years. And so when we recognize that they are really investing in their careers and really thinking about where they're going forward, they too are looking for support. And so if you think about the, the you know, those who are just the earliest entrance into the workforce, as well as those who have been in the workforce for a number of years, we're seeing this full range of women who really are needing support. And what we are seeing is that employers haven't necessarily invested the money that they need to, and the and the downstream implications are quite significant because there are significant costs, not only to the healthcare system, but also to the individuals who are undergoing the strain and stress of not knowing how to navigate the system. Well, so do what, what does support look like? Well, so, you know, it can look different. I think most importantly, though, it's really knowing where to go for resources and care. And that's one of the challenges that we know that, as you're talking about the beginning of the introduction, that people are just confused about the healthcare sure. system, right? It's so complex and so confusing. People don't know where to go, who to talk to for any of their needs. And so what we are doing is we are actually helping engage women in thinking about their health early on. And by having them in our apps and in our programs, they're actually able to get information and they tend to be engaged at a daily level. And when they're engaging and getting information, we're also able to proactively create resources and offer resources that are meaningful to them and relevant to them. And so uh, by having that information that they too are able to really think more proactively about what they want to do and the planning and decisions that they want to make. So it sounds like the way that a patient or a woman would engage, I initially would be through an app? They should be going through like... Through, through Ovia, that is how okay. we do it, yep. So people are able to go in there and they're able to, some people come in to start tracking their periods and get some information about when they're trying to conceive or when they're trying to avoid yeah. um, conception. That's one way that we find people are seeking care. We also have a parenting app and people are coming in to get parenting advice. You just think about the whole spectrum of um, individuals and we're having, we provide resources to really help people address those. Okay, so now I have a controversial question for you. Sure. And that is the period tracking aspect of it. Have you noticed any changes in usage of the app since 
And are you guys HIPAA compliant? The whole conversation around row and across state lines, like not trying to put you on the spot, but very curious yeah. as to like, okay, how do, how is that showing up? Yeah, it is very complex, right? Yeah. And so we, do, you, we are seeing now so much variation state by state. But yes, we are HIPAA compliant, importantly, HITRUST certified. So we make sure that we have a very robust security platform for all the data. And what we know is that people are concerned about the safety of their data. And so with us, their data is very secure. We honor and respect um, the data that individuals are choosing to upload and report. And so their data is secure with us. And we we recognize it's really important to keep that data secure, and so we are fully compliant. All right, fantastic. And you're across state lines, is that accurate? Yeah. You're, okay, nationally available or internationally available? Nationally available. Okay, nationally yes. available. Fantastic. <laughs> so I would love to learn a little bit more about you. How did you get into this role that you are? Like, what has your professional journey been like? Yeah, so I actually started in academia, as I said, as a clinical psychologist. My interest at the time was thinking about um, immigrant health. And so when I entered into my PhD at Yale, I was thinking, how can we actually affect the change, affect change in the healthcare system to really reduce the incidence, mental health issues that we know have a higher rate among um, immigrant women. And as I continue to do my research, really just thinking about the racial and ethnic health disparities that we saw writ large. And so my career actually has been primarily focused on thinking about how do we achieve health equity. And so I started there um, in academia, ended up transitioning into consulting at McKinsey and then continued on beyond that and actually worked at Planned Parenthood for a bit, okay. where there obviously was thinking a lot about how do we think about family planning as well as the importance of protecting the rights for individuals to make their own choices. But, you know, while I was there, I was thinking, how do we actually transform healthcare, right? And so just recognizing that there was a real opportunity to do something different within the healthcare ecosystem and wanting to think about really changing the trajectory for so many people. And I became exposed to digital health as we were trying to figure out our telehealth solution. And that got me very intrigued about thinking about digital healthcare and the transformative nature. And so I made this jump into digital healthcare and there really just found the excitement of being part of that really innovative space was at AML for a bit and then have just continued on doing other things in digital healthcare since then. But really find that the innovative side of healthcare, I think, really is going to be in this digital space. If we really want to think about how do we expand access, how do we provide care more equitably, I think it's going to be through the digital transformation. I love it. Have there been any areas in your career path that have been more scary than others? Like as far as like, you have to take some risks in changing. Like if you started out as clinical psychologist and now went over to digital health, like that's that's kind of a big jump. I would say there have been plenty of times when things have been yeah. scary. <laughs> and though, you know, to me that that's all part of, you know, if we're going to be the ones who are going to create change, you have to be willing to take some of those quantum leaps that seem, um, you know, perhaps you might fall and you might, might not have the most graceful landing, but just believing that if you take that leap of faith that things will end up working out. And I have been thrilled to be um, a part of the journey and really seeing all the transformation. So I'm glad I've taken those risks. Okay. You have experience on, you just said it, live radio and TV. 
How did you do that? Sure. So I was at Planned Parenthood. Well, I was at Planned Parenthood. I was part of the external affairs team. So as you can imagine, at Planned Parenthood, there's a lot. There's a huge need to have spokespeople out there talking proactively about some of the concerns and issues that um, women are facing. And so it was in that capacity that I was spending a lot of time and um, various different speaking opportunities. Gotcha. Yeah. And are there any? Well, I guess what are you looking forward to? Looking forward to really thinking about our, the company that I am with now, Ovia. They were acquired by LabCorp a year ago. And so we are at this really interesting juncture, I would say, in our history. They're a decade old. And so now at this point where we have the opportunity to really think about how do you integrate in with a larger Fortune 500 company that actually has really done some amazing things in a very different space. And bringing together the digital technology that we have and really leveraging both what they have and what we have and really thinking about the transformation that's possible there. To me, that's super exciting because I do believe once again that it is actually when you're bringing all of that data together, when you're bringing the infrastructure together in new and innovative ways, that's where we're going to see a lot of change. Okay. And download the app. Is it something that is? Download the app. There is a free app available there. Also, it's available through many health plans and employers. So we are currently working with them to provide um, health care. Ah, well. so people should be checking out like their network and if it's included in... Yeah, their benefits. In the benefits. Yeah, oftentimes yeah. That, that, that are offered there. You know, I think employers are really seeing the need given absolutely the interest. I think uh, most importantly, the cost is one of the things that's really affecting and driving um, employers and health plans to really provide this, you know. What is the cost of maternal health care? Of the medical spend that um, employers are investing in caring for their employees, one of every $5 is actually going to maternity infant care costs. If you think about the annual total spend on female-specific conditions, it's estimated to be $108 billion. Billion. That billion. So quite significant. If you think about preterm delivery, $26 billion spent annually on that. And in menopause, $3 billion. So there's a lot of costs that are going in there that if we actually were able to more directly interface with the members earlier and intervene in an earlier way, I think what's happening is that we people are so focused on the interve- intervention and treatment that what's not happening is we're not proactively identifying women and the needs that they need to be addressed. And so we have all these downstream conditions that actually could have been captured up front. Yeah, if you had caught them upstream, you wouldn't have those additional costs. Exactly. And so it's really thinking about that shift. And that's what Ovi is doing is really focusing on thinking about those upfront costs. I think the other thing that really is absolutely essential is that we really need to think about the health disparities that I was talking about earlier. Because when you look at the differences in what you see there, it's actually quite pronounced in that. Absolutely. When you think about black maternal health, black women are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth as compared to white women. And you see similarly high rates for both pre-eclampsia and eclampsia. So significant. And then when you think about um, the Latinx mom, they're 15% more likely to develop um, gestational diabetes, 16% more likely to develop preeclampsia, and 21% more likely to have hypertensive disorders that lead to adverse pregnancy outcomes and preterm births. There's a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. And importantly, it's going to take 
everyone really being focused on that because we don't oftentimes think about some of the uh, also the underlying factors and how do you actually alter those to really change those outcomes that's really where the time needs to be spent Dr. Jenny if people want to get in touch with you or actually get involved with Ovia how would you direct them they can go to our website Ovia Health and find some information there thank you so much for sharing all that you're doing and what you're passionate about I can't wait for our listeners to hear and I and follow your journey. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time today. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you, and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast, or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.